The Charles Adler Show starts now. Welcome back to the podcast. I will be the first to admit that sometimes I take a shot at the odd politician. Now, generally, I take a shot at them when they're only delivering talking points and they're not exactly well prepared uh, to get off their talking points. I promise you that today, the minister that we're about to talk to does not rely on talking points. One of the brightest bulbs in politics today Sean Fraser is his name. He's based in Atlantic Canada in New Glasgow, Nova Scotia. He was most recently the Minister of Immigration in the recent uh, shuffle, which was just a few weeks ago. He became the Minister of Housing. Uh, Minister Fraser, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. Looking forward to it. I know that housing has become the most controversial issue. There was a time when if a minister got shuffled from immigration to housing, it might have been seen as, as a demotion. It is not. We've got a housing crisis. I won't uh, delay this one little bit. Uh, you've just been meeting with your cabinet, which of course includes the prime minister. Is there any news that you can offer the country about what's been decided or at least considered? Uh, look, there will come a time when we've got a suite of uh, new policy measures to share with the public. Uh, but suffice it to say that there is an enormous focus uh, that the government has uh, coming out of the cabinet shuffle and PEI uh, on the housing crisis uh, that's facing Canadian communities uh, to have been asked to lead uh, what is effectively uh, uh, the largest uh, demand for construction in, in home building in Canada's history um, is uh, something that I don't take lightly um, because this isn't just about uh, uh, creating jobs the way it is when we invest in infrastructure during economic slowdowns. Uh, this is about making sure people have a place to live, uh, whether that's low-income, vulnerable families or whether that's uh, families with sometimes two people working who can't find a home they can afford in their community. Uh, it's no easy task, uh, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I think uh, that the big problems are the ones that you get into politics to solve. Uh, and uh, there'll be news to share in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, but today, uh, focusing on uh, helping people and learning from those who are doing it already is uh, is how the job has started. Mr. Fraser, I can't talk for every commentator in the country, but you certainly blew my doors off this week when you came out of a cabinet meeting and said that we had, and I, I hope my, my number is correct here, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said we now have in this country 800,000 foreign students. Uh, as I say, I can't speak for everyone else, but I was... Uh, surprise that that feels like a lot uh, what does it feel like for the government so uh, having a large number of international students and a large number of newcomers in canada is actually a very good thing uh, we just want to make sure that our systems are designed to accommodate rapid influxes uh, of, uh, of populations um, there are some enormous strengths of the international student program it's a sector for those who don't know that contributes uh, ballpark $25 billion to our GDP annually. Uh, but what we've seen in recent years is an explosion uh, with uh, colleges in particular, and in particular private colleges, uh, that ha have turned the student program not into necessarily um, an educational program for those seeking to come to study, uh, but a cash cow for their institutions, often leaving students without the support that they need. Uh, there's an enormous number of people and they're concentrated in particular pockets. Uh, there are revisions I think we need to make to the program, but I, I should say um, that it's been a good thing for Canada to have uh, ambitious numbers, uh, but we need to be very careful not to attribute the challenges we're facing in housing to any one group. Uh, certainly, uh, newcomers are going to be required to help build the houses we need to build. Uh, and we have to be very careful not to erode what I believe is Canada's biggest competitive advantage 
in a globalized economy, which is our, our welcoming nature towards newcomers. Uh, so yes, there are significant numbers. Uh, it's more than most people realize. Uh, my point uh, was never to shine a light on the need to welcome fewer people but instead to make sure that our communities are equipped to welcome the large numbers of people who are here making contributions. So I'm not here to disparage people who are born in other countries. I wasn't born in Canada either. I came here as a, as a political refugee. But the question to me isn't about whether or not that we like the idea of people from around the world being in Canada. If we don't, we're really living in the wrong country because that's, that's today, that's tomorrow, that's the next day. So that's not the issue. The issue simply is the math. At some point, the government has to get, whether the government at, at one point didn't want to think of uh, housing as a federal issue. Uh, it is, it is, it is, and it is primarily, not because of the Constitution, but primarily because we do have so many new people in the country. We need to have housing for them, and we need to have housing for the people who have been living here for a number of years. So I think you might agree, uh, Minister, that this does become about the math. Uh, certainly, we, we would be foolhardy if we uh, didn't consider uh, not just housing, by the way, but health services, infrastructure, the investments we make in the nonprofit sector, and across the, the suite of policy areas. Uh, we would be uh, foolish not to think of how many people we're trying to govern for uh, when we're in the business of governance. Uh, housing, of course, is front of mind for me these days with the new responsibilities I've taken on. And there's a number of different things we need to do. But I don't view the uh, opportunity to properly house people to be uh, mutually exclusive to the idea that we can help lead the world when it comes to our immigration ambition. Uh, I do think we need to better uh, marry our immigration, our housing, our healthcare and infrastructure policies. And that's work that we started over the last couple of years and it's work that's going to continue. I've been in frequent contact with my successor in immigration, Minister Miller, uh, who, by the way, I would actually say is one of the brightest bolts in politics, to use your phraseology from the opening. Uh, and uh, I think there's a huge opportunity for us to uh, more closely mirror our immigration policies with our housing policy and with our industrial policy in the years ahead. So if we don't have enough housing to accommodate the people who are here, don't have enough housing to accommodate people who are coming in, at some point, doesn't the government have to simply make a policy decision where somebody, somebody in Ottawa, makes sure that our immigration, whether it's uh, foreign uh, students or whether it's uh, standard immigrants, uh, doesn't someone have to make sure that we've got enough supply of housing to meet the increased demand? So, yeah, we, we do. And, and that's work that I'm uh, happy to take on in collaboration with Minister Miller. But, but let's not... Um, uh, pretend this is a zero-sum game. Indulge me for, for a moment as I just share you some of my thinking uh, from personal experience on this, this issue. Um, the counterfactual to having lesser immigration is not that we enjoy the same economic benefits, but everybody has a home. Uh, I'll tell you the most controversial issues when I first became a candidate in 2015 in my community involved the closure of a local elementary school and the loss of the mental health unit at the largest regional hospital in northern Nova Scotia. Both of those things happened because people were moving away from our communities. Uh, now we may see uh, challenges with needing to build houses so quickly to accommodate the people who want to move here. And those are challenges. But I can tell you, I take growth oriented challenges every day of the week over the problems associated with losing schools and hospitals because so many people are leaving. So there is a sweet spot somewhere in there where we can welcome the number of people that will allow us to experience the most growth and putting the minimum amount of pressure on our housing stock. 
But the answer is not to close our door to newcomers. It's to build more houses as quickly as we possibly can and to support people who are here now who are struggling with affordability challenges that are very real and impacting them every day of their life. Minister, will the government do what this government uh, hasn't done in, in recent years? No government has. But there was a time, I don't want to get into nostalgia here and spin the golden oldies, but there was a time when we had a war and there was a time when we had hundreds of thousands of veterans coming home from that war and they had young families, they needed housing and we built them little houses that were pretty sturdy. Many of them are still around. We see many of them here in, in Winnipeg, my, my adopted hometown, and uh, they weren't uh, built by the regular market as it were. So regular market conditions weren't impacting on them. There was a, another market, call it a co-op market if you want, call it a, a government market, call it a subsidized, I don't care what you call it. Can we do that again in 2023? Uh, yeah, we can. And some of the tools that we borrowed, uh, from, we can borrow from history have application today. But we have to realize that we do live in a different economic environment, which frankly opens up new solutions in addition to just having the government do the thing that needs to be done. Uh, a big part of the path forward is going to require us to make changes that don't necessarily exclusively have the federal government uh, pay for a new thing, but create the conditions that will actually drive the kind of change, including in the private sector and at other levels of government, that will re result in more homes being uh, constructed. So I do think that we have a bigger role to play when it comes to actually providing social housing for low-income families. But if I'm looking at the real challenge, and one of the biggest political challenges that we're facing is across the spectrum, if you aren't wealthy, you are having housing challenges in this country. There are people who are working. There are seniors who are retired after a successful career. There are students who are getting educated who have no housing options. If we're going to actually solve the problem and not just fiddle along the margins of it, uh, we need an all-hands-on-deck moment, but we also have to come to appreciate that we're dealing not necessarily in the millions or even billions, but potentially in excess of a trillion dollars that we're going to have to deploy in order to solve this problem. We are not going to be able to do that. There is no government in the world that would be able to do that in a short period of time. But if we actually incentivize uh, developers to build by changing the financial equation that allows them to build homes people can afford, if we step up our own game by building more for those people who can't afford it, and if we streamline the process to reduce the cost to build, whether that's through municipal changes or tax environments or financing options, we actually can deploy a lot of the resources that are out there in the market that will help solve our challenges. There's no silver bullet, but this is a moment to use your analogy. Um, it, we need to build like this is a wartime effort, and that's what I've been asked to do. So does that mean that we can't uh, create a separate market? Does that mean that we will always be beholden uh, to the rising tides of the free market when it comes to those important categories? You mentioned low income, you mentioned students, you mentioned seniors. When it comes to those three categories, will they always uh, be hostages to the free market? Uh, no, and I should point out that not all of them are today either. Uh, we have to realize that there are homes that will always exist within the market, and the government of Canada is not going to start subsidizing luxury condos. That doesn't mean luxury condos won't exist. But there are people who cannot afford a home. It's our belief as, as a government that regardless of the circumstances of your life, you deserve to have a safe place to call home. There are going to be units that we pull directly out of the market by subsidizing affordable housing that are offered to people on the basis of their ability to pay rather than what the market will bear. We also will have uh, free market incentives, whether that's uh, uh, 
changes to our tax regime, whether it's financing opportunities that will allow people to operate within the market. Where I think we can actually make meaningful change is by creating the market conditions that cause people to build at a lower price point that's more closely um, attached to the wages people can afford, uh, people are earning that will allow them to afford to pay. The kinds of things I'm thinking about, if we actually uh, offer programs, look at the rental construction financing initiative. We made a, an announcement in Vancouver a couple of weeks ago that's going to result in 1,100 new units being put up through one project. This is not to solve the national problem. This is one uh, part of it. But the key piece to that program was that we insisted that the developers who benefit from the program have to offer the uh, units that are going to be rented at a price point that mirrors the median income in those uh, that, that city and that they have at different stages, different numbers of units that will be offered at lower price points. If we actually change the financial equation and extract a commitment from the beneficiary of our investments to build the kinds of homes that are not on the market today, we can actually have a hybrid program where sure they exist within the market, but it allows us to bring the accessibility to the market uh, to millions of more Canadians who currently find themselves boxed out. Now, more with Charles Adler. Sean Fraser, can you see yourself as a liberal now? So we're talking politics and that's okay. You're a, a proud uh, member of the liberal team, the Trudeau team. Can you see yourself as a member of the team? Let's say, oh, I don't know, two years from now, there might be a, an election where the uh, Trudeau government, your government, makes a commitment to bring us to a point in Canada at some point where housing, affordable housing is seen as a right. Let's call it universal access to affordable housing. Can you see that down the road? Uh, yeah, I can. And in fact, if, if we set our goal as anything less than making sure that everybody has a home, that, then that's a moral failure. Uh, my, my view is that if you work in this country, you should be able to afford a home in the community where you work. If you can't work in this country, the government should make sure that there is a roof over your head when you go to bed. There are all kinds of people today who find themselves doing everything right. Uh, think about people who are my age and younger, uh, people who got a trade, people who went to college, uh, people who took out a loan, sometimes from the government. Now they come into a uh, situation where maybe you were entering the job market during the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Maybe you were coming out of university during the COVID-19 pandemic and have had trouble finding that first job. And you're faced with the need to pay bills for your education uh, before you actually start earning income from your job. There's people who do not see a future in themselves, forget today to find a place to live, but that the idea of home ownership is never going to happen for them. I think we can change that by demonstrating to people that we can make real progress in the short and medium term to demonstrate that we can actually put more units on the market at prices people can afford to rent and to buy, uh, and to demonstrate that we don't have to give up on the idea that home ownership is impossible in Canada. Uh, the reality is there will be people who uh, may not be able to have a single detached home in downtown Toronto, because look at Manhattan, look at London, that's not the kind of housing that exists in major global leading cities. But my view is you should be able to find a place to live where you work if you are working. Uh, this is not too much to ask. This is the way it was in my community growing up. It's the way it can be again. It's going to take an all hands on deck approach where we get everybody pulling in the right direction. And I think that we've hit the political moment where regardless of partisan stripe, 
regardless of level of government. Uh, people want to see success on, in housing and to, to be a part of it and to have a leadership role uh, is something that I don't want to see go to waste because your vision may seem like utopia. Uh, that, that should be what we aim for. So l- let's uh, try to nail this down because uh, the last thing I want to do is, uh, is take you out of context or have anyone take you out of context. Uh, is Sean Fraser, the housing minister in the Trudeau government in 2023, saying that at some point in the next few years, you can see this government making the kind of comment that is the kind of commitment that is carved in stone, which amounts to universal access in this country to affordable housing, whether it's a home or an affordable apartment, universal access to affordable housing. Is that something the Trudeau government can nail down in the next couple of years? Uh, so, yes, it is, but I'm under no illusions that under the next uh, 18 months or two years or however, however long we may have before the, the next campaign, uh, that every single person in Canada is going to be adequately housed. There will always be people in transition. Uh, there will uh, always be people who might have a temporary place that are looking for that permanent place. Um, but my sense is we can get to a place uh, where where everyone in Canada... Uh, has a home that they can afford. I, and I, I want to be a little bit careful because affordable housing to some is a, a term of art that has a specific meaning. Uh, meaning. Uh, but regardless of whether you are a working class family, a low income family, a middle income family, you should be able to have a home in your community that you can afford. And if the housing minister doesn't have that perspective, then we get big problems. But my view is uh, an optimistic one. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of change. But I think within the next number of years, uh, we can reach a point in Canada where the expectation is in a person's life that you will be able to find a home you can afford uh, in, in the community where you, you currently call home. So we started off the conversation talking about education and uh, 800,000 foreign students now living in Canada. Let me get to a different aspect of education that I think might help with the housing crisis that you're now uh, dealing with in an active way. Do you think that the government can create an environment in which we don't have the same requirements for people from around the world to come here to participate in the construction trade. Once again, this is not about saying no to immigration. It's about saying yes to and incentivizing Canadian colleges, maybe even universities, to create the kinds of opportunities and promote the kinds of opportunities that can expand the construction trades in this country for people who are being brought up in this country. We have a lot of people at universities, and that's wonderful. It's making money for universities. But how about helping the entire country by making sure that we have a few more million people in this country participating in the trades? Absolutely. Uh, Look, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, We need more people in the trades. Uh, Skilled trades workers uh, built this country. They will continue to build it, whether they grew up in Canada, whether they came from abroad. Uh, People who have the talent to build things, are in extraordinary demand and are going to be for a significant period of time. Uh, So my view is, yeah, we can do more. Provincial governments can do more. Institutions can do more. There's a number of things that we've done over the last couple of years, and I'd encourage you to to chat with the Canada Building Trades because they have gone on record before parliamentary committees uh, to talk about some of the work that we have done, investing in skills training. Uh, In my own community uh, back in 2017, uh, we funded a new trades innovation center to grow the skilled trades in northern Nova Scotia. Uh, but we need to put it into hyperdrive. Uh, we need to make sure that there is uh, no one in our community 
who thinks less of uh, a person who goes to uh, receive an education uh, to, in, to become an electrician or a plumber uh, or a, a heavy equipment mechanic, whatever it may be, uh, than somebody who goes to university. Uh, we need to get into our high schools to communicate to kids that they can have real and meaningful work shortly after they graduate if they go to a trade school, because we need them. We need them like we have never needed them before. Uh, there's some great work going on actually in Nova Scotia with changing the tax environment for earnings for people who go into the trades. There's opportunities for us, I think, federally to continue to invest not in the direct education necessarily, which is provincial jurisdiction, but in the skills development and training that will allow people to reach the skill level they need to participate in the workforce more quickly. There are massive opportunities here to pull from pools of people who've historically been left out of the economy, uh, whether we're talking about racial minorities, Indigenous Canadians, women in the trades. Uh, there are massive opportunities. And if we seize them now, we might be able a generation from now to be in a position where we don't have to worry about housing shortages because we can monitor where the stock is and rely on having the domestic grown workforce. In the interim, because it takes years to educate a person, we will have to continue to rely on immigration as well to bring in the talent that we need. And that's not a problem. That's been Canada's history throughout our entire existence as a country. But absolutely, we need to supplement, by, uh, supplement that strategy by embracing investments in the trades that will grow the domestic workforce uh, that we need to build the houses that Canadians are demanding. Could you embrace the idea, Minister Fraser, of universities offering degrees relating to the trades that we're talking about? And I only ask for one reason. So many people who uh, don't go into the trades think there's some sort of stigma that they have to go to university. So I'm trying to eat the cake and have it at the same time. <laughs> go to university and learn to trade. Yeah, so look, I, I think there's uh, there's different uh, places in the world that actually have, um, uh, you can study a minor in a trade while you take on a, a degree in whatever you choose. Um, I, I'm open to the idea. I won't drive that with education being the responsibility of uh, provincial governments and, um, uh, and, and of institutions themselves. But one of the things that I, I, I asked myself when you put the question to me was, do we need it? Uh, trade schools are wonderful things. Uh, there should be no shame whatsoever in somebody who wants to go uh, become a skilled tradesperson. Uh, the idea is that we would need to have some other institution offer the same training opportunity that is already being provided is probably going to result in a more expensive, lesser quality version of the product that's already on the shelf. So let's get kids to go to the schools that are already training them because they exist and they're doing good work. I don't disagree with the word that you're saying. I'm simply bringing it to the table, even though some people think it's a crackpot idea because, uh, you know, branding matters, psychology matters. And many people just want to be able to say, and many parents want to be able to say that their son or daughter has a university degree. And for God's sakes, wouldn't it be wonderful to have more people with university degrees where the degree is actually going to be useful to them, where they can actually make some money the moment they leave school and construction trades would be, would be one of those. Yeah, look, look, although a lot of parents might want to say my kid went to university, uh, there's a lot of students who want to say I've got a job that allows me to afford a home. Uh, and right now, I think the, the voices with those young people who want a home are ringing a little louder in my ears uh, than the voices of parents who want their kid to go to a university. So let me ask a question about uh, another area that has been one of your many expertises, and that would be finance. Is there a way that we could get the banks, and, and if it means uh, partly, uh, you know, subsidies from the government, but is there a way that we could get the banks to be helpful in the march toward more affordability in housing? I don't have to tell you that because of of inflation being what it's been, 
and interest rates uh, going where they have. It's been making housing much more difficult and it's been making rentals much more expensive for people, especially at the low and, and lower middle end. What do you think of the idea of the government doing something uh, to encourage a route in the banking sector that makes life a little more affordable? Yeah, so look, thanks for this question. And I think it's it's going to be really important that we dig into uh, the private sector and the financial sector if we're going to unlock the housing supply that we need. That's not the only thing we need to do, uh, but but it's one thing that we need to do. I have had the opportunity to deal with um, uh, certain folks in the banking sector uh, to discuss uh, measures that we might be able to adopt that could change the risk pro profile on projects uh, that would allow them to offer potentially different uh, financing opportunities uh, if they have some uh, uh, protection against uh, uh, the, the risks that they currently bear. Uh, keep in mind the, the interest rates that have had an impact on, on the, pay, the pace of construction in Canada uh, are being driven by the, the Bank of Canada, which we won't uh, interfere with its independence, of course. Uh, but I think more broadly, the things that we might be able to do include leveraging the federal borrowing power to actually change the equation for people who can't get a favorable rate at the bank. But if we do that, we don't want to do it for somebody who's going to build a unit that we don't need in Canada right now at the highest end of the market. Uh, we want to incentivize units that are going to be built, homes that are going to be built at price points that people can afford. This might mean passing on the federal government's borrowing power at a preferable rate to, compared to what banks may currently be able to offer, uh, but we won't be able to uh, change the, uh, the dynamic of the borrowing rate that banks offer independently without creating either some lesser risk profile for them as lender uh, or by offering more competitive rates through government programs, uh, like the one that I mentioned uh, that led to the, uh, the positive announcement of Vancouver a couple of weeks ago. Mr. Fraser, I get that uh, in both the commercial world and the government world, it's always about the millennials. That's where the votes are. That's where the money is. That's where the opportunity is. That's where the future well, is. I, 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 I get all of that. But I just wonder, and you know, part of this thinking is the thinking that went into a, a column, which will be out uh, in Thursday's edition of the Winnipeg Free Press. Seniors, some, some seniors, yes, some seniors have, have, have got a, a pretty good, uh, healthy uh, a balance sheet, and, and God bless them, and that's wonderful. But many don't. Many are living on their pension incomes. And I'm just wondering if there's any kind of announcement that can be coming out of your office, uh, your government, with respect to helping seniors with affordable housing. Um, so certainly it's a big focus for me. And uh, one of the things, although we've been talking largely about uh, uh, those sort of entering the market, uh, in addition to dealing with social housing and wide-scale rentals, th there's three key groups that I, I see that have immense housing need. Uh, seniors, students, and starter homes. Um, and I didn't intend for them to, uh, to all start with the letter S for branding purposes, but you've got me thinking now. Um, the, the reality is if we actually get seniors uh, housing right, it's one of the most powerful things that we can do. A, because it helps people who are in vulnerable circumstances. And look, having knocked doors... Uh, for the past eight years in rural Nova Scotia. Uh, I've met all the stories you've read about in the paper. Uh, I've got neighbors who have told me that they split their bills. Uh, I've got uh, folks who tell me they're choosing between uh, what to pay for at the grocery store and their ability to, to remain housed. And it's heartbreaking, uh, particularly after people have been counting on retiring under a different set of circumstances than currently exist as a result of post-COVID inflation. 
Um, and we have to address the issue. But if we address the issue, the phenomenon that you're going to see en masse is that when seniors move into more accessible, smaller apartments that are more appropriate for their stage in life, they often free up a family home that allows an entire family to move into. And that cascade uh, has a ripple effect through the housing sector that creates more supply. So although you might be covering the cost in some ways as a developer or a, a lender or as a government of a, a small unit, the excess housing you unlock is not just that small unit, it's the extra housing uh, that came uh, in, in the family home that a person moved out of. Uh, my sense is if we uh, work with municipalities to make sure seniors housing is being built near services, near accessible transit, uh, we can have a major, major impact uh, by, uh, by uh, embracing seniors housing specifically as a strategy to help cure the housing shortage uh, right across the country. Minister Sean Fraser, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time. Housing is an important subject. Uh, they only have you dealing with important subjects, no matter how the deck gets shuffled. I hope that we can uh, do this again uh, the next time, regardless of what your portfolio is. I'll look forward to it very much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much, Minister Fraser. Sean Fraser is the housing minister in this country. He was uh, shuffled uh, just uh, recently in the uh, July shuffle. Before that, he was involved in immigration. Before that, he was involved in both the environment and and finance. So this this person who we called a, a bright bulb, I think, has acquitted himself uh, well as he as he always has, and we'll have him back again soon. Thank you for joining us. I want to remind you that uh, my column on housing appears in tomorrow's uh, Winnipeg Free Press. That'll be the Thursday edition. And I also want to know that if you don't have time for the entire show on any given day, you can always catch it on demand on your favorite podcast app. And a reminder that when you do uh, get onto our, our app and when you do uh, download, uh, that you also uh, give us a favorable, which means uh, either subscribe or follow. Subscribe or follow. The Charles Adams.